And he's funny. Time for the show. We live in a divided world, divided religiously, politically, and economically. Oftentimes in our world, we want to run away from tough conversations that divide us about grief, pain, and loss. We want to avoid topics like shame, guilt, and pride. We'd rather escape to our phones instead of engaging in real conversations. I know this because I do this. So I created the Winter Faith Podcast. The Winter Faith Podcast is focused on creating conversations to promote spiritual and emotional growth through faith, apathy, and everything in between. So let's talk to each other. Yet more importantly, let's listen to each other. Let's continue the conversation. My name is Andy, and I have Winter Faith. Kent Chevalier is my podcast guest today. He is the chaplain for the Pittsburgh Steelers organization. We have a conversation where I ask him questions about what it's like being an NFL chaplain. I I also ask him questions about being a father and just what keeps him close to God. And I close it off with a lightning round of questions. So he provides a lot of wisdom, a lot of great advice, a lot of great insights, and overall, he's just a cool dude. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Welcome to the show today. I'm joined by uh, my new friend, Kent. Tell us what you do for a living, because I think people would be interested by it. Sweet. Andrew, thank you for having me on today, man. Absolutely. Um, it's, it's, it's great to be with you, and it's always fun to meet some new friends. Uh, so, yeah, um, I've been a pastor for 22 years uh, locally in the city of Pittsburgh, and this past July, like right around this past year, you know, May, June, July, um, God took us on an incredible journey uh, to step out as full-time missionaries with athletes in action um, to become the Pittsburgh Steelers chaplain. And so we are absolutely loving the adventure uh, of this whole thing. Um, so familiar with ministry, um, but this is a different platform of ministry. So trying to figure it out as we go. Um, so yeah, had the opportunity to jump into becoming the Pittsburgh Steelers chaplain this past year. Well, congrats. That's, that's Thank pretty you. neat. So uh, just a quick question. How many, um, do all NFL teams have like a chaplain or a pastor on staff? So um, the majority of NFL teams have a chaplain. Okay. Um, and it looks different for each NFL team. Um, so like for me in particular, I have the privilege of being, um, a, a fully accessible chaplain. So this is what I do full time. Okay. Um, and, and, and you'll see other teams who have part-time chaplains. Maybe it's a local pastor in that particular city who then does it as a part-time. Um, but you know, athletes in action, they, they really kind of get involved, 
um, when a, a full-time accessible chaplain at the facility, um, you know, running ministry for the players, not just for the players, but for the coaches, for the front office staffs, uh, all of their families. So essentially the way that I see it in my role is that I'm, I'm the pastor of the Steelers organization. You know, right. Erica and I, uh, my wife, Erica and I, we, we team together. We are the chaplains together. She really responds to all the ladies of the organization. And I am the pastor to all the guys of the organization. And we team up together um, on different things. Um, mm. So yeah, that, that's kind of what it looks like. It's different across the league. Sure, sure. So you, um, you spent 22 years in ministry before yeah. this. What, um, what, you know, where were you doing ministry and, and what were you doing for those 22 years? Yeah. Um, so yeah, 22 years. It's hard to even imagine that, man, because I don't feel that old, but um, I'm starting <laughs> to become that guy. Um, so my first 10 years in ministry um, was um, as a youth pastor absolutely loved student ministry um, and really began uh, my senior year of college. I was also a full-time youth pastor, so did both things full-time. And Erica and I got married right after college, and then we did 10 years of student ministry together. Um, and then um, when kind of year eight and a half or so of, of student ministry, God began to kind of fuss me up inside. And I knew that I was supposed to begin a transition to another kind of ministry. I just didn't know what it was. And eventually got to the point where he asked us to uh, plant a church. And, um, you know, I know that, you know, as we talked before this, you know, one of the questions uh, about one of the toughest times in ministry and toughest times right. of life right. um, was that transition for us. And I, I can talk about that later, but then that launched us as we, as we planted a church that eventually failed. Um, oh, okay. We became one of those statistics of three out of four church plants don't make it. Um, what that did is it launched us into a new um, kind of ministry. And then for the last 12 years, have been a part of a great church in Pittsburgh. In fact, it's still our home church, uh, Northway Christian Community, where I was the Wexford campus pastor. We're a multi-site church in Pittsburgh, uh, seven locations around the Pittsburgh region, and I've been pastoring and shepherding the original location for the last 12 years. Uh, so that's what I've been up to in ministry before we stepped out this past uh, you know, July to become full-time missionaries with Athletes in Action. Okay. Um, yeah, and let's dive into, you know, so my podcast, you know, just tell you a little bit about it, the Winter Faith Podcast. Yeah. The idea is, you know, winter is a season. You know, I grew up in Wisconsin. You're in Pittsburgh. We know what winter <laughs> winter is like. Um, you, know, yes. it, it, you know, faith can feel like winter. It can feel cold. It can feel dark. It can, you can feel distant from God. You really want the sun to come out, you're, you know, and so, you know, I, I call winter faith experiences or even I've kind of said, like, I feel like my whole faith experience is a winter um, experience, mm -hmm. but yeah. What, what are those, you know, those hard times or for your faith and, and what have, what have you learned? from those. Yeah, you you call it winter faith and, mm -hmm. and I love what St. John of the Cross, man, he 
he called it the dark night of the soul. Right. Yes. Um, and, yes. and I love, I love that imagery. So whether it's winter and C.S. Lewis, man, it's always winter, but it's never Christmas. <laughs> I, I love, I love that idea of, of faith being like the winter um, sometimes. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for me, an experience that Erica and I had, um, it was, it was the most difficult season of our lives. Um, we had been married for 10 years uh, before we stepped out in faith to uh, raise all of our support um, and become church planters. Um, we, we were in Detroit at the time doing student ministry at a great church, Rock Point Community Church um, in Sterling Heights, Michigan, when I began to feel this being fussed up inside. And I just knew that God was asking us to step out to plant a church. I had obviously never done that before. Um, so we put it all on the line. Um, I'll never forget being in a cabin, um, fasting, praying, God, what do you want with my life? Because I was just so fussed up on the inside. Um, And when the answer came, I want you to plant a church. I want you to go back to Pittsburgh, where I'm originally born and raised and have been in Pittsburgh my entire life, except for those four years in Detroit. Um, So when that answer came, there was so much peace and confidence that this is what we were supposed to do. So we leave our secure uh, full-time salary benefits from a great local church, um, Rock Point Community Church. We step out in faith to plant this church. Um, And we did that in Pittsburgh and it launched so well. It was amazing. Our first Sunday as a church, man, we had 263 people. I was blown away. And within three weeks, um, so week one, 263 people at our opening service. The next week, 268 people. Um, it was We grew a little bit, right? The next week, um, there was, so th- third week into our church plant and our services, Um, There was something awful that took place where my buddy who was on staff with me, we launched out in this together. Um, All of our portable church equipment we had in a a trailer. And and when when we were done with services that day, he was involved in an accident that totaled our entire um, portable church like all of our equipment for the nursery and kids rooms and, and stuff we had, we had launched in a movie theater. So we were completely portable. And when he was involved in that accident, I, I, I simply call that the beginning of the end um, because everything was totaled, like all of our equipment gone. Yeah, we had insurance for it, but um, it took forever to be able to get that equipment back. And, and so Fast forward a couple of weeks later, the, the actual theater that we were meeting in meets with us and tells us that they are going to be doing some renovations. They're going to be closing down for six months while they do those renovations. So we would have to find another location to meet in the area that we were planting in, man. It, um, it was so hard to even find that theater to meet in. Um, and so this began to unravel our church plant. Um, it began to impact us, obviously, financially. Um, 
the way that we wanted to do our services was being disrupted in a great way. Um, and then some things just began to happen between leadership, you know, the leadership team that uh, because of the way that we were responding to this all uniquely and differently, it just started to unravel, leaving me um, super stressed out, um, feeling like it was all on my shoulders. Things started to change so rapidly day by day. Um, I will never forget when Erica and, and I were um, just praying and asking God, like, what the heck, man? Like, you, you told us that we were supposed to do this. We, we were confident that you called us to step out like this. And now all of this stuff is crumbling underneath of us. And I kid you not, man, I, you know, one of the things about me that, that people nickname me is the crying pastor. So I, I was huddled up on my kitchen floor. We had just moved into a new home to plant this church. We yeah. had two babies, like our daughters were young uh, when we did this. And so the pressure was mounting and mounting and mounting. And I finally broke on my kitchen floor. I like lost mm. it. Um, huddled up in the corner of my, I, I think I had, I don't, I've never experienced it, but I think I had like a panic attack. Um, and it, and just bawling in my kitchen floor. And I, and I was just asking God, why, how could you let something like this happen? Um, mm -hmm. We eventually, um, the church plant, um, it didn't make it. We, you know, didn't even make it nine months in and we had to close all the doors. We, we had to leave everything that we, we had. Um, and, and I just re remember crying out to God, like, what in the world was that? Mm. So now here I am back in Pittsburgh and I have no job. I now have no medical coverage for my brand new babies. Um, mm. I, I am at the lowest point and I look at Erica and it's just the two of us and our little family in Pittsburgh going, God, we trust you. But man, I, I had to work through some anger, you know, at him. I had to you know, and it, I just let him have it basically on, you know, during those months of like, how could you allow this in our lives? Um, and then I could, I could tell you that um, we figured things out from there, but there's still parts of that season of our lives that I'm going, God, what was that? Like, did I miss your voice? Did I miss like what you told me to do? Was I not supposed to do that? And, but I, at the same time, like I, I'm confident that that's what he was calling us to do. Um, and, and I don't think I've fully learned yet now, 13, you know, 14 years later. Um, I don't know if I've learned all the lessons that I'm supposed to learn from that year that we call. It's, it's like the year that was absolutely amazing, but it was the worst thing that we've ever experienced because we've, we've learned so much about God um, during that time that he is our provider, not me, not, you know, anything that I could give my, you know, beautiful daughters. It's him. He takes care of us. Um, that whole church planting season for us, um, I learned so many things about God that I would never not want to go through that because I learned those amazing things about God's character and his nature, his promises that he has for us, um, that one of those big things is that uh, for us, God's provision doesn't always look like money. 
you know, God's, God's right. provision. Um, yes, it can look like money, but it's, it's people at the right time with the, um, with the exact thing that you need to hear. That's God's provision. Um, God's provision is relationships during that winter faith time that sometimes you, it is hard to have faith, but it's other people's faith that encourage you, encourages you to get out of your funk, so to speak. Um, and so God's provision can be relationships. God's, God's provision can look like a lawnmower. Um, and let me explain. So okay. when we were, when we were trying to plant this church and raising all of our support to do this, um, we, we got into our new home and I didn't have a lawnmower. And, and obviously I've got to mow the grass. So like, what am I, God, what are you, how are you going to provide even something that seems so insignificant, but I have to mow my grass. So I'm on Craigslist looking and there's this lawnmower that I see. And I'm like, oh man, I'm going to try to go over to this guy's house and see if I can purchase. And, and I had a, a lot of money cash in my pocket that was well below because it's all we had that we could spend on this. Um, and I remember going over and this guy's garage was amazing, like pristine condition. I see the lawnmower and after some conversation, he had only used that lawnmower once, um, and had to switch to a riding lawnmower because, and I don't want to get too far off on this tangent. I'm sorry, but he, he couldn't use the, the walking lawnmower anymore because he had had, um, an injury and he, and he couldn't walk anymore behind the lawnmower. So I tell him, Hey, this is why we're moving back to Pittsburgh. This is what's going on. We're planting a church. And he like looked at me in amazement. And he said, you're planting a church. He goes, you know what? I want, I want to give you this lawnmower for half of what I put it on, you know, crazy. Cause I'm a believer. I, I want to help you out in your mission. And that the, what he you know, offered it for was well below what I had in my pocket to give him. And it, and it's those type of things that I look back at in that season. And I realize that God's, God's my provider, not only with a new friendship that day and a new like encourager that day, but also a lawnmower. Like God cares about even that kind of stuff in our lives. Um, and so I look back at that season of just winter and I, and I'm like, my goodness, that was the hardest thing we've ever gone through. And the lessons that we learned about God during that time are absolutely astounding that we still stand on and live from today. Um, so long, I'm sorry for being long winded on that, but man, it's, I, I get passionate about, um, those dark night of the soul moments when God yeah. pulls through and then you look back at it. Um, so thanks for asking. that. Well, I really appreciate that answer. The, the the message you said that god god's provision doesn't look like money but it looks like people like god provides people and people can do pretty amazing things you know we are in a season that for the whole world is like a winter season yeah, which is absolutely. like something out of a movie it's really bizarre we're all in our homes and yeah. we all have family you know, if you have kids, kids are trying to do school, 
teachers are stressed out. I mean, I'm sure me and you both have friends that work in hospitals or doctors and nurses and other healthcare providers. Like it's like a whole season where that message of God provides people. It's like giving me goosebumps. Cause that, I mean, that's the truth. I mean, yeah. how many times, I mean, we can go through hours and hours of like when this person was there for me. So let's talk about your role. What are like the needs that you see? Sure. And, and so, I mean, just to give you some of the, specifics of the like maybe our our work week yeah as chaplains um so i like to call it the ministry of availability um it, it's very it's very unique obviously um but i have the opportunity to be available um at the steelers facility um i erica is is not there but i am there um so i'm at the practices I'm at their, you know, meetings, the team meetings, um, and I'm just available. And you never know at just the right time when somebody might be um, needing to, to talk, you know. And so I've had incredible conversations on the sidelines in the middle of practice where guys are struggling with some stuff. And they're like, hey, PK, they call me PK, Pastor Kent, um, PK. Um, PK, I love it. Hey, yeah, yeah, it's, it's fun. Um, and, and they'll just ask me a question about faith, about God, um, about, dude, I'm brand new married, right? right? So, yeah. you know, it, it's not just, you know, faith advice. It's, right. hey, man, I, I've, I've been married for, you know, 20 plus years. Um, I've got three daughters. And so some of the questions about, man, what's it like to be a dad? For instance, right now, um, you know, several of the guys, uh, their wives are expecting and so they're asking Erica and me questions about, you know, just straight up parenting. Um, and so I, I, um, it's those types of things. During the week, Erica and I host a, a couple's Bible study. Uh, we do that either at our home or, you know, one of the, the players' uh, homes. Um, you know, during the week, my wife, she does a Bible study with the uh, players' wives or girlfriends. Um, and she also then does a separate Bible study for the players, or excuse me, for the coaches' wives. Um, I, I do the same with the coaches. I have a Bible study that I do with, with the coaches, and any one of them can come and be a part of that. Um, I do one for the players uh, as well, right in the locker room, man. I love that that's where they want to do the Bible study. Wow. Um, so I get to do that Bible study uh, around the Steelers logo, right in the center <laughs> of the locker room. Um, and it's such a cool thing, man. I, I love yeah. doing that. That's some of the formal stuff that we do. And then I sure. do chapels before every game. Um, okay. So whenever the game is the, the night before, we we do chapel. Everyone's invited to be a part of that. Um, not everybody participates, but man, those who want to come uh, can come and be a part of that uh, chapel. So that's some of the formal, I, I don't want to use the, the word programming, but that's that's what right. we do weekly. Mm -hmm. um, and then I would just call it the ministry of availability, man, the, the texting threads that, that happen well late into the evening. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, when, when people just have questions, um, just being around at the, it seems like God at the right time has me beside that person and boom, they ask a question and I can encourage them. I can just, I can just love them right? Like, I, I think one of the most important things that I bring, that any chaplain, I should say, can bring is a 
hey man, I'm here for you. And I understand what you're walking through. You know, I might not be able to get it from an NFL standpoint, but like, you're a real person, yeah. you know, and you have real struggles. So do I. Um, and, and just great conversation. I love, I love the line. Somebody said it, I forget who said it, but the ministry of availability, um, is what we try to pull off each and every week. Okay. So I did multiple years in a hospital. I'm not currently at a hospital. I'm currently working at a, um, men's shelter. And nice. so, um, it's similar to chaplaincy in that it is a lot about availability. So for example, for me at the hospital, you know, we have a pager and when that thing goes off, then I'm going somewhere. And it's usually not, um, being in the hospital chaplain, especially if, if you're like working an overnight shift, if you're working the weekend shift, sometimes those shifts are 24 hours being available for crisis and I and feel like, and that's a part of our role as well, man. I, I okay, literally, yeah. I stepped in to this role July, like mid, mid July last year, 2019. Mm-hmm. And I report to training camp a week later. I get to training camp and a few days in this past season for the Steelers was just a, a heart wrenching way to start it when when wide receivers coach um drake he passed away suddenly at training camp and so there i am boom in the middle of crisis and how do you respond to something like that man i'm brand new to the nfl i'm brand new to the steelers and boom this thing happens and i'm like oh god please help me what do Mm -hmm. i do and i then you know leaned on the 22 years of pastoral ministry and okay this is this is how i've responded before in crisis okay memorial service let's go you know and it became it it's that training that kicked in that okay here's here's how we're going to lead uh, in this moment so it was just an awful i mean coach drake what a well respected man across mm-hmm. the nfl um he was he was a believer and, and so to be able to share that kind of hope at his memorial service was just amazing. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, same kind of thing, you know, as a chaplain in the hospital, man, you're responding to crisis. Um, and it's that ministry of availability that keeps coming again and again. One of the things that I was kind of taught was, you know, when I went into a room where, you know, maybe somebody was, um, maybe somebody was dying, actively dying, or maybe it was just a really uh, scary um, heart attack that you would just go to, I was trained to go towards the family and just say, hey, can I just stand here? You know, I might say, you know, my name's Andrew, I'm the chaplain here sent by the hospital. Can I just stand here with you? Or can I pray with you? You know, and a lot of times people don't want you to say anything in those crisis experience. And I I imagine with something like that, that there's a lot of times of, of silence, but then maybe later did players and coaches want to come in and speak to you? Yeah. I, I think, you know, for me personally, um, at training camp in the days that followed, everybody then knew because at that point, nobody knew who I was because I was brand new to the organization. Um, and so because I did the memorial service, had the opportunity to be in front of the entire organization, everybody knew now why I was there. 
who's who's that bald guy who's you know here um but now everybody knew and it was the we i I call them the the nicodemus moments where they don't necessarily maybe want to be seen talking with you but late Mm -hmm. at night i get the the text um hey can we talk and two in the morning I'd go down and we'd have a conversation about faith, about how hard this was on them. Um, And so, yeah, it was days and weeks later um, that those emotions uh, began to come out. I remember standing in front of the whole team and coaching staff and just saying, um, you know, coach Mike Tomlin asked me to speak to the whole, um, you know, team meeting, like right after everything happened. I just remember God bringing these words. Um, I've preached them before, uh, but I had also like, it just came to my mind immediately when he asked me. Uh, It was like one of those pee in my pants kind of moments where I was so afraid and nervous, but God gave me something. And I I stood in front of them and I just said, guys, right now, mind you, nobody knows who I am at this moment. And so he introduces me as the chaplain that day. Mm-hmm. And and I said, guys, listen, um, the Steelers are bringing in counselors to talk, to be able to process all of this. And I said, you need to realize that counseling is not for the weak. It's for the wise. Right. right. You know, and, right. and so that was I've taught on that kind of thing before, because at, at my church, um, we we have a counseling center. So we are huge on equipping people with uh, helping them process through, you know, traumatic events, you know, marriage stuff. So counseling is a big thing. Uh, I've been through it uh, as well. I'm, I'm not, you know, I, I'm not weak. Right. I, it's wise, wise to be able to um, admit that you need some help and to get some professional help. So counseling is not for the weak. It's for the wise. And, and that statement became something that that people responded to and that's where conversations and just being around training camp um it led to those nicodemus moments hey pk can we have a conversation at at dinner um so yeah wow what's your relationship like with the head coach mike tomlin so mike mike's becoming a friend man Um, yeah so you know i had the opportunity um to first be introduced to him this past May, May 2019, um, when one of the players who was a part of uh, the church where I pastor, um, he introduced me to Coach Tomlin. And um, that was the first time that I'd ever met him. And and since that time, we have been establishing just a what I would call a, a new friendship. Um, he's an incredible, incredible leader. This mm-hmm. guy is a faith-filled man. Um, who wants to serve his players, who wants to serve his coaching staff, who wants to serve the entire city of Pittsburgh and beyond. He wants to use his platform uh, as a servant leader. He's a strong man. Um, And so I would say that we have a growing friendship that's taking place. Um, You know, if you if you think about the NFL season and then, then you think about everything that's happening right now, COVID-19 and the NFL having to shift on a dime, mm-hmm. um, you know, it so much is on his shoulders right now. Um, and, and so he, he's becoming, I would say he's becoming a good friend uh, of mine, wow. you know, weekly touch points with him. 
Um, but other than that, man, he's, he's got a huge role uh, that he's taking care of, getting ready for each and every week. Um, so I would consider him a good friend. Yeah. That, you know, I think we, I'm guilty of this. Like we kind of get in the world we live in with Instagram and social media, we, and I can only speak for America, although it probably goes beyond America. We're kind of like celebrity obsessed a little bit. Mm-hmm. Is there, is there any sort of like nervous or intimidation just that you feel just like, Oh, like I'm, I'm going to talk to the entire Steelers. I'm going to talk to the, <laughs> one of the most famous, the, you know, some of the most famous people on TV, you know, the NFL is the best watched show in TV and it's not even close. Right. You know, right. I think early on, man, um, cause dude, born and raised in Pittsburgh. Right. Um, I have been a, I have been a huge Steelers fan my entire life. I, I still am in the sense, but now you get to training camp and dude, I was, I'll admit it. I was so nervous to meet these guys. You know, I'm sure I was like, I was like a little kid in the candy store, like just yeah. so pumped and excited, um, nervous out of my mind. Um, but then you get to know these guys um, and they are regular dudes, yeah. right? They, sure. you know, their marriages, um, their, their kids, families, these are real people um, with just incredible backstories. Like mm. their, their lives, as I've gotten to know, you know, some of these men, so much respect because every dude in that locker room, every guy who's on that coaching staff is an alpha male. They didn't get to <laughs> right. the NFL. Right. They didn't get to the NFL without a ton of hard work and dedication and discipline and like a lot of people think, oh, he just made, he got the break. These guys have put in the work uh, to get here. So much mad respect for these guys. Um, now that I've gotten to know them, you know, I think about it this way. So dude, right now at this recording, I'm 42 years old. And these, these dudes who are just coming into the NFL are like 21, 22 years old. Right. And I think and people them, forget that people forget yeah. how young guys are in the NFL. Right. And, and so you, you meet these young men. Right. And all of a sudden you begin to realize, you know, the statistics that are out there in the NFL, you can research them and all this stuff. But like when, when Erica and I think about our ministry with the, um, the husbands and the wives, those who are looking to be in relationships and thinking about marriage. Like when you think about the statistics of the NFL, that somewhere between it's like 80 and 85% of the marriages in the NFL end in divorce. Whoa. When you think about that, like, dude, Mm. we need to pray for NFL marriages. These are young men and young women who are trying to figure out how to be married under the pressure of millions and millions and millions of people watching them. Mm. And, and so, yes, they're amazing at their craft. They're incredible athletes, but these are people who are dealing with real issues that Erica and I just like our posture towards them is we're here to serve you. We're here Mm -hmm. to love on you. We're here to encourage you. If our marriage like (laughs) of 20 plus years can be of any encouragement at all to you, 
man, we're here for you. You know, um, that I think we forget those kind of things. Like I could rattle off some statistics to you that would just blow your mind about the men who enter the NFL without fathers. Mm. Like when you stop and Mm -hmm. you think about that and then Mm -hmm. the way that I would approach these young men to just simply be a, I'm obviously not a father figure to them, but like a, a positive role model of here's what a dude can look like you know and 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 being a follower of christ doesn't make you weak right like if you if you understand who jesus is and how tough he was i mean as we're recording this the holy week right Mm -hmm. right now you know on friday he took nails in his hands nails in his feet he took the lashing uh, from the Roman guards. He was able to stand before Pontius Pilate and he was able to bridle his strength in such a way that he did not say a word before Pilate. And, and that he was, it was just an incredible strength that he knew how to bridle and focus during that time, not to mention the power of the resurrection, right? Um, I mean, so much strength um, that I think sometimes in the NFL, maybe, you know, guys think that, hey, if I become a follower of Christ, I, I'm going to be seen as weak or that, that okay. whole Christianity thing is a crutch. And I'm like, Dude, no, right. still smash people in the mouth out there. Right. Hit people as hard as you possibly can work as hard as you possibly can. That doesn't make you weak at all, man. It, it, when I begin to understand that I'm now playing a level of excellence at the highest pinnacle of the world. And I can do that to honor God with my craft. I mean, there's nothing more beautiful in my opinion, when you think about the character and the nature and the, just the beauty of God, he created the NFL quarterback to be able to throw a bomb down the field, to be able to create a guy who has so much speed to be able to, you know, zoom to the end zone. And when they connect that from a 50 yards away, this pigskin ball, man, (laughs) and the beauty of that moment, I'm just going, that's worship to these guys who are following Christ. They, they are, they don't do it for the accolades. They don't do, they're playing it for, I play for an audience of one. Mm. That doesn't make them weak. That makes them, this is my platform to be able to play for the God who gave me the abilities. Um, you know, and I know I'm all over the map here, but man, it just nah, fires me up um, to be able to help these guys realize that. Well, I think we're in a unique place where you see the individual athletes and what they're able to do. Um, the example I think of right off the top is LeBron James creating his own school and yeah. mm-hmm. and just the work that he's doing with his name and fame i think i think they're i think we're in a kind of a cool place for athletes to really do you know whether they're like they have different cleats that represent things they mm-hmm. care about um you know they're doing more like um awareness for i know they did like they wore pink i don't know if they still do that right. but wear mm-hmm. pink in october for um, breast cancer awareness so i just think there are there are some unique things in this world even though it is 
a little crazy, you know, mm-hmm. of technology where, you know, you really do see people like doing positive things that sure. maybe we didn't think about before. And it still is, can be like super, super individualistic. But if we can use whatever we have individually to promote community, you talked about the, the discipline it takes as an NFL player to just to, to be there, you know, let alone like be a starter or get a big contract, but just to get there one time. So what are the disciplines that like, I guess, help you stay close to God and then that you pass on? Sure. Yeah. I think that no matter who you are, if you, you know, if you're, if you're a pastor like me, um, working on your craft, things like public communication, um, things like being able to, I, I have to work at making sure that I'm, I'm, um, involving everybody in my sermons, not just Christians. I've got to talk to those who might not believe this yet. Those are, you got to work at that kind of stuff. That's the discipline. But I think for me, as far as staying connected to God and my relationship with him, um, because one of my passion points is that this is not about religion, right? This is about a relationship that we have with God, that he has granted us um, access to him, like full access. Like what we're celebrating this week has given each and every person in this world access to the God who loves them. He wants a relationship with each and every one of us. And so when I see it that way, that he, he actually wants to talk to me, that God wants a relationship with me, mm-hmm. like that blows my mind. And so one of the ways, you know, that for me that I, I kind of jotted down here is that um, a practice that I do is every morning and, and sometimes I miss it and, and I'm not perfect at it, but like every morning I'll open up the word of God. He has given to us in written form, inspired by over 40 different authors across the span of, you know, 1500 or, you know, however many years to speak to us, his character, his ways, his mission. And like, if I want to hear from my father in heaven, I practice a discipline every day to be able to spend time in his word, right? I I want to cultivate my relationship with him and my hearing for his voice. And the number one way that God speaks to us is through his written word his inspired word. Um, And so I practice that every morning. And it's not a, I have to do this. It's not an obligation for me. It's a, he, God wants to talk with me every day. And and he's already provided this for me. So I'm going to spend time in his word today. And and for me, I, I practice two words, or excuse me, two questions. I've been, I've been mentored and trained in these two questions uh, by Dave Buring, uh, which is how I met Chad Harrington, which is our connection. Right. right. Um, Dave Buring has, has um, you know, taught me these two questions. Anytime that I'm in the middle of a sermon, like listening to it, anytime that I'm in uh, God's word like this, number one, here's the first question that, that I ask. Um, okay, Holy Spirit, what are you revealing to me right now? I've read this a thousand times, but what are you revealing to me right now in this moment? 
What are you teaching me? What am I supposed to be looking for? God, speak to me, right? That's, that's the first one. Holy Spirit, what are you revealing to me? And then the second one I feel is, is um, equally as important. And if I were to say in order of importance, this one might take it. Um, most people read the Bible and, and they just read it, but they never do anything with it. I think the second question is where God, he, he wants to do something in me. And so here, here's the second question. How am I supposed to obey this today? Like not, not, you know, how am I supposed to do this later on in life when I want to get closer? How am I supposed to obey this today? And it's that word obey has a bad rap, right? Um, in relationship with God, it's a, because you love me, man, I get to do this. So how, 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 what do I get to do today based off of what you're speaking to me so that I can be in great relationship with you? Um, because I want to please my father in heaven. You know, I, I, I have been saved by God through Jesus Christ. And because of that, I want to respond in worship, a, a lifestyle that says, Yes, I want to do this for you. I get to do this for you. That the fact that God would take a bald-headed, like you know, dude from Beaver County in Pittsburgh to become the Steelers' chaplain, the fact that He would allow me to do that, dude, it's it's such a privilege. Yeah, like wow, that I get to do this every day, it's just mind-blowing to me. But it all started out of a, a discipline of relationship with God. Like, dude, I'm hopefully I'm no different than who I was, you know, 10 years ago in the sense of like, oh, now, now I'm the Steelers chaplain, you know, dude, that's not it. Like, dude, I've, I've been trying to discipline myself to be in relationship with him every day. And then I, I think another one, dude, if I can just answer this one really quick. Sure. I personally um, love to sing, worship. Hmm. You know, I, I have been, um, I've been in front of people my entire life. My parents, man, early on, they had me singing in front of the church. Mm. I have always loved to sing, to play music. So I play, you know, guitar and keys. And, um, you know, I, I was a worship leader for a, a while. And one of the things for me is I just love to have music in my earbuds. Worship music, you know everybody's got their own style and all this. I love all kinds of different styles of worship. Um, and, and so a, a discipline that I is, is I'll just put my earbuds in and I'll listen to worship, not just listen to it, but participate with it. I'll sing. Um, you know, sometimes I'll be in my car and I will just rock out and I will sing at the top of my lungs. Um, people make fun of me. I don't care, you know, um, but it, it is, I love to worship God um, through singing, through playing music, um, listening to music. That's been a discipline that has helped keep Jesus at the center uh, of my entire day, um, starting it out that way. What, uh, yeah, name a couple of uh, musicians or artists or bands that, that, you, uh, that you're listening to these days. Yeah. Um, so I, I have loved um, music from like Elevation recently okay. um, that they are putting out this, you know, I don't know if you've heard this incredible song that during this COVID-19 um, pandemic, 
that they responded to this thing by writing this song and it's called the blessing dude if you have if if your listeners have not heard this song elevation worship the blessing and it's taken straight from scriptures in numbers and it, it's incredible so elevation worship is one cool. um i i absolutely love uh passion you know their their worship albums you know back in the day man david crowder was my dude um <laughs> sure. I, I loved to not only listen to him but to sing his songs yeah um, and and i have you know ever since kind of becoming the steelers chaplain broadening um my um i guess music taste buds um Taryn wells is another dude that man that brother can sing um Carrie Job, she is amazing. Yeah. Um, you know, there's there's just so many good um, songs. I want to find this one because it's slipping my mind right now, but it's on my playlist okay. that, um, that I love. Um, let me look here. Um, so uh, let me see. Where is it? So Fred Hammond is a guy okay. that I've been uh, listening to a lot because one of the Steelers players uh, turned me on. Uh, to him, um, another that I absolutely. Let me see here. Anyway, th- th- those are some. That's ones, cool. But, no, yeah. I. Th- you know, I think that I was thinking about this too. So, NFL, like you said, a lot of guys that are twenty-five and under. But I would say like seventy percent African American. Mm-hmm. And somewhere around there, yeah. So I just think that music, you know, we can be pretty divided um, racially. And, and what I mean by that is, I mean, there's a lot of things, but just, just making connections, making friendships. And I really, for me, music has been huge in making some new relationships. Music can be this like unifying thing. So I'm wondering how music, you know, if that plays a role because I feel like God can do incredible things through music, bringing people together. That's kind yeah, of one of my beliefs. It. Yeah. It's the language, it's the language of the soul, man. Right. Right. You know, and, and it's, it's so unique. You know, you have so many different genres, just like all right. of us are unique. Yeah. And we're going to, we're going to respond to different styles of music. I always make this joke at, at Steelers chapel um, that I love every style of music. Um, except for, you know, what's important for me is that, especially as dudes are walking into chapel, I, I always bring my, um, you know, just Bluetooth speaker in because I want the environment to be alive with worship right. as these dudes are rolling in, as they're focused in on, you know, what's going to be happening the next day in the game, that um, music is a huge part. Worship is a part. Like, I, I don't bring... I don't bring my guitar in and lead worship. That's not what I mean. Um, we don't sing. Um, and it's not that we, we wouldn't want to, maybe that's in the future. Um, because quite honestly, I'm, I'm still trying to figure out how to be an NFL chaplain. And so I didn't know that (laughs) Sure. maybe that could be a part of chapel. Um, so, but music as guys are coming in and as they're leaving, and I will often in my messages use music, as a point because I think it does connect to the soul in a very unique way. Um, and for me, it's not so much about the style. It's about the inspired lyrics that God has put on a person's heart to be able to write about his character. 
his nature, mm -hmm. his mission in this world that we can all rally around. Or another way, like what's the best part about being a father, being a dad? Yeah. I mean, there, there are so many ways that I could answer this question. Yeah. Um, you know, I think, you know, especially because we've been thinking a lot as, as some of the Steelers players' wives are getting ready to have little ones. Right, um, right. We, we've been thinking because we've been given some advice about like, hey, this is, I remember what it was like, you know. Um, and one of the things that I think that when I first laid eyes on my firstborn daughter, so I have three daughters. Um, mm -hmm. I affectionately call them the pink life. Um, <laughs> even my dog is a girl, man. So I, I need help. Um, <laughs> I need some dudes in my life. I think that's why God, he was like, here, get around a whole bunch of men in an NFL locker room. Um, but um, I, I'll never forget the first time that my daughter, Madeline, my oldest, she was crying. She had, she had just been born. The doctors whisked her away um, to the little, I don't know if it was a bassinet or a clear looking thing, right? And uh, the doctors are tending to my wife. Um, and I, I was done with my part with my wife and the doctors were taking care of her in that moment. So I went over to Madeline and I just looked at her. And in that moment, I put my little pinky down to her and she and I put it near her hand and she just grabbed onto my pinky and in that moment I don't know how to describe it man but there was a love in my chest for this little girl that had never even done anything at each and every one of us like we cannot do anything to earn his love like I I cannot, and one of my, the major messages, hopefully, of my life is that there is nothing that you can do that will make God love you more or less. God loves you, period. His Father heart for us is, God is so for us. And that's like, I want people to understand that about God. God is so for us. He's not against us. He's pulling for us constantly. Right. And so that day, one of those moments of becoming a father for the very first time was this realization that, oh my gosh, that's how God views me. I have, I am a mess. I am so nasty, messy because of my sin, because of my brokenness. And he looks at me and he looks through all of that stuff and he loves me mm -hmm. anyway. Right. That that's one of the major lessons of being a father. That's Lance. Beautiful, beautiful story. I mean, I have a so six year old daughter and then a, a 10 month old. Well, man, close to 11th month old. And um, when I hold him at night or just or real just, I don't know, a few minutes before we started recording. Yeah. Just like the like holding their little hand when they're yeah. so young and now like going through and being like man 10 months old feels so big <laughs> you know yeah, i know it's yeah but before you're a dad before you're a mom it's kind of like 
well, maybe it's just my experience. Like I hadn't been around like newborns. So like a one, a one week old, a two week old, and now 10 months, it's just, it's just, you know, it really, it really is the only thing even close to sort of maybe understanding how God looks at us. Being very intentional of, and it goes back to my first ministry should be to my family. Right. And, and Mm -hmm. if I, the ministry of availability as, as available as we are to these NFL players, wives, and and coaches and, and all of that, I need to be available to my family. Right. You know, I, I, I never want to be that guy who sacrifices his family on the altar of ministry right. because my family is my number one ministry. And quite frankly, my wife is so good at helping that, being intentional with our time, with our children. Um, and, and helping remind me and, and all of us doing, you know, I think this COVID-19 thing, man, there's something that God's doing in the, in the family in general, um, calling us back to each other in a yep. way that um, we haven't experienced in a long time, dude. Every, yeah. Are you kidding me? Every night I get to have dinner with my daughters and my wife. Yeah. And, and the pace that we used to keep prior to COVID-19 Man, because my girls are involved in sports. So we got practices, we got games, we got, you know, all this stuff. You know, I got, you know, ministry stuff. Erica's got ministry stuff. And, you know, we're flying. This COVID-19 thing, man, has been beautiful Mm -hmm. for us to have family time. And I, as a dad, am cherishing it. Now for a quick commercial break. Let's wrap it up here. This, um, I'm going to call this the lightning round. And instead of it being like you answering these questions, we're going to answer it. You're going to like speak for your, your family. So so maybe think, (laughs) no one you get, don't give the wrong answer, I guess. (laughs) So think about it kind of as your family, which I think will be a little bit, you know, hopefully fun to do. So um, we'll start. I mean, none of them are hard. Um, What, what shows are your family binging together? Oh, dude, this is great. Um, So hilarious. Last Man Standing with Tim Allen. Um, He's a dad of of all daughters. Yeah, three daughters, right? We we have totally connected with with that. Um, That's fun. You know, we can all laugh together. It's a great show. That's fun. Okay. Um, Let's see. Is there a new family tradition or is there an old family tradition that you guys have been doing? During this time? Uh, during this time, dude, um, I, I would just say, I don't know if it's tradition, but okay. um, we were playing games. Like you know, board whole, games? Or yeah, board games. Board games. All right, yep. what board games? Yeah, so we, we pulled out Monopoly. Okay, yeah. And, and I, I, dude, I got, I got cleaned out. I was the first dude out. <laughs> so, okay. Um, yeah, my, That's fun. my little daughter, man, she took the house. Well, we started playing Mousetrap. Do you remember oh, that game? That's fun. With yeah. um, more difficult than we expected. So gotcha. thanks, thanks, mom and dad, for buying that for us. <laughs> um, is there this one? I guess is more personal. Um, is there like a go-to drink or like a favorite drink that you have? So uh, or drink be... and meal. We'll do drink and meal. Like something. Sure. So so for my girls. Um, I would say that it's Chick-fil-A lemonade, man. 
Yes, we they, had that yesterday. They absolutely <laughs> love some Chick-fil-A lemonade. Yes. Um, f- to be honest with you, for me, dude, I'm, I just drink water all the time. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Fun. I, I have, I have, I've tried, I'm a coffee in the morning, one cup, and then water the rest of the wow. day. Wow. Well, that's, that's good. What, a, oh, what about a, a meal? A meal? Um, dude, my wife is an amazing cook. All right. Um, and so one of the things that she like, that lights us all up is um, she does like Mexican night. And oh. so she does an array of like amazing enchiladas and, and different tacos. And it's like build your own. It's like a, a taco bar almost. And, and so she crushes it, man. So I would, I would have to say her Mexican for sure. Okay. What's the, the best family vacation you guys have had as a family? Oh man. So every other year we go with Erica's extended family to uh, Virginia beach. Okay. Um, it, it is special in the heart of her entire family. Her dad was stationed um, in Norfolk during Desert Storm. Um, and so they would go down to see him. And so we have continued that tradition and we vacation um, at uh, Sandbridge every other summer. Um, but man, we've had some other great vacations as well. One of the best, dude, um, a family in our church uh, blessed us with a um, time away at a cabin in the middle of the woods during the summer. And dude, there, my girls still talk about this. This is probably, I'm going to go six, seven years back mm-hmm. where the family, they have a rope swing that goes out into the lake and, and you can jump off of it. And mm-hmm. it's, and it's my girls, it by far, they talk about that moment of the rope swing at the lake house um, more than anything that we've ever done. So that's so cool. I, yeah. That's so cool. All right. Um, now I guess these will be just for you. So yeah. your, um, favorite NFL player growing up. Oh man, dude, there's, it might be hard to get one, but I just, yeah. I'm scared. I mean, so childhood growing up, mm-hmm. um, man, I would probably have to go with, with Terry Bradshaw. Okay. Right, so yeah. when I first like started realizing like NFL football, watching with my dad, it, it was during the run of all the Super Bowls um, right. b- back in the late seventies, early eighties. Um, and so Terry Bradshaw became incredible. But then now, like when I was getting older, uh-huh. Jerome Bettis for sure. Oh yeah. The bus. Because yeah, the bus, man, he's got this incredible story. Um, and my favorite thing about him, he would just run over people. <laughs> Yeah, he wouldn't he would. even try to avoid him, man. He would just <laughs> run them over. I loved it. We've talked about this a little bit, but I'll try to phrase it differently. If we were going to get in your car right now and you're going to drive somewhere, what music would you listen to? Dude, right now I'd probably throw on a little bit of Toby Mac. Okay, Toby yeah. Mac. All right. Yep. Driving music needs to be upbeat and fun. Got uh, it. You need to dance a little bit while you're driving. Got it. Do you? Okay. Do you have? Does you or your family, I guess, have like a favorite comedian? There's a lot of like comedian stand-up stuff on Netflix and all that. Do you guys have sure. a favorite one as a family or yourself? Sure. 
Well, one guy that, um, man, I feel like um, all of my family can watch is a guy by the name of Michael Jr. I don't know if you've ever heard no. of him, um, but dude, he he is gifted. Um, and, and so I just commend him to you. Michael what? Jr. He did an incredible thing during the COVID-19 stuff where he was supposed to release this, um, you know, one of his shows like later on, and he just gave it away. He put it out on uh, all kinds of platforms. Um, and so okay. it, he he is funny. And, and the thing for me, for my family, he's clean. And then you or your family, uh, your favorite movie? <laughs> Dude, my, my favorite movie um, has got to be Gladiator. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, that, yeah, I absolutely. Yeah, Russell Crowe. Are you not entertained? You know? <laughs> love love that movie i would with with my girls um man they've got all kinds of good stuff we sure. hilarious story is just a couple nights ago my wife made us all for family night mm -hmm. family movie night I remind you i've got all ladies in this right. house even my right. dog is a girl even the dog. she made right. us watch the movie little women and i'm like come on yeah i guess it's the new one but i <laughs> I took the, I took the social media during the entire thing and was just cracking jokes about it. Yeah, um, and you know I I don't know if I ruined it for my family, but I was having fun on social media. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate you taking time for me, Kat. This has been really fun. Andrew, thank really you, fun. man, for having me. Appreciate you, bro. Today's artwork was done by Dominique Frazier. The intro was done by Scarlet Fox. The music you're listening to, Josh Cleveland. And the creator and editor and producer of the Winter Faith Podcast, yours truly, Andy Frazier. Well, you did it again. You spent your time listening to my show. You probably could have spent this time playing games or binging Game of Thrones on your phone. But instead, you spent it with me, so I thank you for your time. If you haven't already, downloaded and subscribed to the Winter Faith Podcast on Anchor. If you haven't already, please leave a review on iTunes with good, bad, or ugly feedback. Also, please consider supporting the show on Patreon for as little as $1 a month. However, I do accept Venmo, PayPal, Cash App, and any other way you want to contribute to the show financially. Okay, my commercials are done. Andy, out.